0: Welcome to Smart Water Solutions Podcast. I am Hakim El-Fadil. This is episode number 22. Today's guest is Howie Hahnemann, the CEO of Forward Water Technologies Company. This innovative company is offering an enhanced industrial forward osmosis to the water sector. So, welcome Howie. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. So uh, before jumping to the discussion, I mean, how, how are you dealing with, um, let's say COVID-19 work atmosphere? Are you working from home or still active with your customers? Well,
1: the, you know, we're a developing technology in a very small company. Um, so most of us uh, are working from home. I'm working from home as we speak. Um, but because we're such a small company, we have a very small operational space. Um, we can keep our social distancing in place. And we're doing some laboratory work, some confirmational testing, and we're also working on some both training programs and design programs. That was work we had to get to. <laughs> so we've been able to we've been able to stay working, um, uh, develop some of our clients uh, a, as well. Um, at this point, it looks you know like we'll continue through the lockdown here in Canada, and once that lockdown eases, we'll be able to resume full operations. If it continues, I think we might have to change that story. But right now, um, we happen to be in a lucky place.
0: Good. I mean, what were the, the motivations that um, this attracts you to work in the water sector? And what is your background in the oh, water
1: industry? That's a very interesting question. So I, I would say very much I fell into the water um, <laughs> and got wet. But my background is um, I'm a, I'm a PhD research scientist in advanced polymeric chemistry. That's what I, what I studied. Um, and that led me into a, uh, uh, developing new materials that could perform functions. And that's kind of what my, my, my educational background is. And that led me into advanced materials and designing specialty, um, uh, products that, that, that had function. And, uh, interestingly, um, after starting work at a couple of large companies, I, I, came across the startup environment um and in particular i was living in boston massachusetts at the time and literally bumped into people who were developing electronic paper and they had just started the company and uh it was about 1998 or so and i became very intrigued and joined the startup world uh uh, in 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 at that time and we developed uh And the company grew. We developed electronic paper, which is the typical type of display you read on your paper displays. That's something that has part of my effort is is inside that display technology. But the interesting thing that came out of that was uh, not only did I start at a tiny little company that grew into a much larger company and then was a commercial success, it got me really attracted to the startup environment. And after I went through that journey, I ended up – stepping into another startup company developing high capacity uh, ionic exchange membranes for biotherapeutic production. And that was developing a membrane that could basically bind uh, target molecules that you would want to from a bioprocessing stream. And those are now being used in um, potentially COVID applications, as a matter of fact, for developing vaccines. So that was also a very exciting time, going from a small, nascent uh, technology to a much larger company that eventually had an exit. Um, because of my continued interest in small companies, uh, I was I, I ended up doing some work here and there for an accelerator and came in touch with the technology that uh, we use at Forward Water the accelerator that was driving the, that technology. And I thought it would be a good match for my background of taking technology from the laboratory into a commercial space. And that's how I got involved in uh, Ford Water, developing uh, a unique chemical package from a laboratory application into a full-scale commercial application. And I've been learning about water and water treatment ever since. Um, we've been able, fortunate enough to bring in some expertise, uh, people who have... Uh, defined experience uh, in new wastewater treatment technologies. And uh, that's the short story of how I got where I am today. Right. And then,
0: for the, I mean, currently you're focusing on forward osmosis. I mean, would you just briefly talk about
1: the, the exact water solution that you are leading right now? Yeah. So we're developing a forward osmosis solution. But the forward osmosis solution that we're focused on comes from some some basic chemistry that was developed out of queen's university in kingston ontario in canada and what it does is it relies on the ability of co2 to react with another molecule called an amine to form a salt but it can also be unformed you can easily reform and form the salt backwards and forwards as much as you'd like by simply taking the salt apart using a little bit of heat so that's the chemistry What we did in the accelerator and what we're doing in forward water is we're taking the ability of that salt to form and deform to create a salty solution. Now that doesn't sound particularly interesting except for the fact that this salt can actually make up 70% of the solution by weight. So you have a a liter of what looks like water, but 70% of that liter is in fact salt. And what salt solutions can do is they can create an osmotic potential. And so if you put that salt solution in contact with a membrane that only allows water to transport across, and on the other side of that membrane, you've got a waste solution or something that, is, uh, 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 something that has to be sent for disposal, you can use our salty solution to pull water and only water across that membrane to such an extent that you can treat essentially almost saturated solutions of waste streams. So now you've got something that you can extract fresh water from very very dirty water with no real applied energy and then the next thing is once that solution is 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 exhausted it can no longer pull water across the membrane because it has been diluted we can now decouple that salt which was the original chemistry we can heat that liquid a little bit and the salt turns into two gases and those gases bubble out of the water leaving the water fresh clean water behind and we can recapture those gases and use them, combine them again into a aqueous solution and reuse them in the front end. So now you've got a low energy process for separating water from wastewater, you've got a low energy process for regenerating your draw solution, and you're using all your chemicals in a closed loop process. This all adds up to a really, I guess, artistic way to clean up wastewater in a, in, a, in, a, in a very effective, low-energy, uh, material, um, uh, uh, conservative manner. And now what we're doing is using this to drive the forward osmosis process that we're bringing into full commercial scale for the treatment of industrial wastewater.
0: Right. So correct me if I'm wrong. If I understood correctly, the, let's say that the uniqueness of this solution, which is a draw water, is this switchable salt that you can switch from gas and you can regenerate it again
1: that's correct that is at the essence of 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 our process is we do we've got this magical switchable salt that's highly soluble when it's salt form and it is easily removed from the water in its gaseous form so we can Separate it quite easily, and the really nice thing that we've been able to show is that once you separate that salt from the from from the now clean water, that water is essentially potable levels of quality, and uh, w- you know we hope to be able to use that in, in reuse it in operations. But ultimately, it could re- be released into the water table where you're processing this waste.
0: Right. So, I mean, according to my knowledge, um, there are some some scenarios where it's really difficult to use the reverse osmosis and it makes a lot of practicality and also sense to use forward osmosis. For example, high fouling and scaling brines <laughs> where there yeah, is water recovery. So will you talk about those applications that really you penetrate sure. them with forward osmosis?
1: So reverse, there's a lot of clever ways to use reverse osmosis. But in a, in a first pass manner, once the salt solution that you're dewatering in reverse osmosis hits about five to six weight percent total dissolved salts, which is roughly twice the concentration of seawater, you require a lot of pressure to continue to drive that water through the membrane in sort of a, in a deadhead type of filtration. So huge pressure that starts using a lot of energy and that starts using uh, capital equipment that has to be pressure rated. And so things get much more expensive. So reverse osmosis kind of has that limit. Now I would say there's a lot of very clever ways to use reverse osmosis where they're doing uh, things like osmotically assisted processes, but it gets very complicated in doing that. So then you're, you know, the, the only way you can continue using reverse osmosis is having a very complex uh, capital equipment layout. So what we can do though, and this is common for for forward osmosis, not necessarily unique to us, but because we can use such high levels of salt as what we call our draw draw solution, we can overcome the osmotic uh, pressure of things that are well beyond the reach of reverse osmosis concentration. So we can dewater solutions that are 12, 15, 18 weight percent Total dissolved salts, and still effectively remove clean water from those systems without the applied pressure, and without complex capital layout. So this was, this ultimately becomes a capital uh, expense saving a- a process, as well as the low energy requirements um, uh, make it make it f- fairly operationally effective as well. And, and-
0: and this, I mean, if, if I was thinking about forward osmosis, one of the key, let's say, challenges for osmosis, uh, for example, concentration polarization, there are um, um, internal and external concentration polarization. And the second one, this is reverse salt flux, for example. And the third one is, uh, is, barely when I was looking, commercial, also academic, there is also problem of low flow rates, and also sometimes. Um, is not also effective in producing ultra-pure water and, and costs of uh, regeneration, the, the draw water. So how do, did you solve those kind of drawbacks of um,
1: Osmosis? So so you're absolutely right. Those are the touchstone problems that one has to overcome. And this is when you start getting into the details of, of, of Ford Osmosis. So our technology... Forward osmosis is really the marriage of two technologies. It's the marriage of a membrane technology and the marriage of uh, an effective, efficient, or scalable draw solution technology. Forward water relies, we, we bring the la- latter half of that uh, 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 piece of the equation, which is the, which is the effective draw solution where we can create very, very high salinities and then remove the salt at a later point with low energy. The other part to this is membrane. Now membrane in development has, has, has actually been very rapid over the last five or six years. And there are products hitting the market uh, that are showing greater and greater performance that overcome some of the ICP issues, the, the internal concentration polarization that you, you mentioned, as well as the reverse salt flux issue. And what we've done is we've matched membranes to the applications that we're looking at to maximize the overall performance of the system. And subsequently, we've been able to eliminate uh, reverse salt flux, which is the phenomena where the draw solute escapes into the feed side of the the, uh, uh, process. Um, And at the same time, these membrane manufacturers are delivering uh, uh, products that are thin enough to overcome ICP, yet uh, uh, selective enough that while the only allowing water to transport across the membrane, you don't suffer the fact that you see low flux as well. And we're being able to implement those membranes. Now, w- one big advantage that Forward Water has is we are membrane agnostic, meaning we're going to use the best performing membrane that we can achieve, that we can, we can access for a given application and we'll be able to change that as we move forward. There's companies such as H2O Innovations that has a universal membrane rack that allows people to cycle through different types of membranes. We're gonna use that type of product with our draw solution to deliver effective solutions for a final end user. So to to get more focused on your, 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 your question, we're relying on the continued advancement of the competitive membrane space to help us overcome those issues, and we're actually seeing that happen today. Right. Does it mean, for example,
0: um, if, if you're solving different applications, like, for example, oil and gas or um, wastewater from um, food application or pharma, does it mean that your system or your finance solution is could be different
1: from one application to the other? Certainly, from the membrane selection point of view, it's right. always going to be a cost performance analysis for an end user. Now, that said, We've looked at uh, some particular membranes, and, and we've been seeing uh, particularly good results. From the uh, Aquaporin series of hollow fiber uh, products that they have uh, recently launched, and that's one of the materials that we look at, uh, uh, sort of as a first as a first go around right now.
0: Right. So one of the other application that's crossed my mind uh, when I was uh, working in the past, which is um, if you look at the dairy space, um, they have most of the time, huge stream of um, water. I wouldn't say contaminated, but water which contains some small protein and also some organic, which is valuable for the dairy. <coughs> and give an example in New Zealand, for example, most of big plants in New Zealand are close to um, to the seaside. So at that time, when I was visiting this, this big company, uh, Fonterra, I was thinking, why not using, for example, seawater as a drug solution to try to absorb this, water and but so have you been thinking about those kind of applications where you have let's say a huge stream of water you have nutrients valuable organic dissolved in that solution and also they have high temperature in the solution they have 45 yeah. degrees Celsius, and at the end of the day they need someone some solution that can concentrate that stream and put it back in the system
1: yeah, I mean, so these are these are very specific applications that you're that you're talking about. And we've certainly looked at them and, and considered how to approach them. And a, a huge advantage that forward osmosis has compared to other um, separation techniques or filtration techniques is it can be very, very gentle on the proteins that you're suggesting. Uh, and those proteins can retain their, their tertiary and quaternary structures as opposed to getting all mangled up as they go through sort of a torturous filtration more traditionally um the other thing that you point to is using seawater as a potential draw solution and i think that both of those things are important um and and certainly worth considering as long as they fit the application needs seawater as a draw solution only has a limited potential to to drive the ford osmosis process and Stockcraft, as an example in i believe norway a number of years ago was looking at seawater um, to create, uh, basically to manipulate the osmotic potential to create uh, an energy source and generate electricity. But seawater wasn't quite strong enough of a brine to accomplish that in an economic way. So one has to be really careful when you start looking at, at draw solutions. But what you're also talking about is forward osmosis in the broader sense. Forward water is focused on treating heavily compromised industrial waste streams that are currently sent for disposal by burying it in deep well injections, thermally uh, eliminating through evaporation, or in fact, in some cases incinerating the waste because of the toxicities. So we're focused on those high concentration waste brines that are very expensive to dispose of at this point. So what are the key applications that you, you already saw with your solution and what are the values of using your te- technology? So, you know, we've looked at a very broad array of waste streams. Uh, we have had good success in pharmaceutical waste streams where the pharmaceutical waste generally is sent for incineration because of liability issues. So we've compressed those wastes fairly significantly. We've had good wa- good uh, results from oil and gas wastewater, in particular the fracking water, both the produced water and the flowback water in, in Western Canada. Um, and then... Lastly, uh, we're looking at textile manufacturing and cleaning up dye contaminated uh, wastewater streams um, and being able to essentially eliminate fugitive dyes from, uh, to escape into the, into the you know, table water uh, system, primarily in Southeast Asia. So a wide variety of, of, of industries, but they all have waste streams that are very difficult to get rid of or very expensive to get rid of.
0: I mean, for those three applications, um, oil and gas, pharma textile, do you have any CAPEX, OPEX figure for treating one cubic meter versus the other (laughs)
1: technologies, for example? So these are very difficult numbers to simply state. However, we think that we can provide a capital payback period for a given application in under three years in almost all industries and in fact can do so in much less than three years depending on the specific application secondly we make those statements assuming we have to apply all of the energy to the system itself but because our energy requirements require a low temperature we don't require a high temperature but we require we can use lower temperatures and subsequently we can look at things such as solar thermal uh, collection to drive our thermal needs, as well as waste heat or low pressure uh, waste steam and a manufacturing environment. So between a low capital cost uh, and a low operational cost, we are going to be highly competitive, if not more uh favorable than things such as evaporation. Uh evaporation is very very energy intensive. You have to evaporate the water and what we do is we evaporate gas. So simply on the basis of that comparison, evaporating a cubic meter of water to clean it up or to eliminate the waste versus our system where we evaporate a gas out of water, the energy inputs are significantly lower. That's going to translate into in operational cost-saving.
0: Right. And then, I mean, talking about once you put your system in one um, one installation, um, I'm thinking about what other technology that if you install them before or after your forward osmosis solution, this will generate additional values to the customer?
1: So, um, you know, there's, there's no magic bullet for wastewater treatment in the sense that there's no singular standalone technology that's gonna solve all or most people's problems. So our technology will eventually become a platform, part of a platform that solves a particular uh, uh, wastewater streams uh, treatment issues. Um, We think that what we can do is effectively replace evaporators in almost all instances where evaporators are part of a, a, as an example, a zero liquid discharge process train. So that would be reverse osmosis followed by forward osmosis in place of the evaporator, followed by a final step of crystallization, making the overall process much more efficient and lower cost. So that's how we see our technology being integrated in into full systems is targeting where evaporators are being used at this point to, to eliminate the volume of the wastewater and go to, in this case, a zero liquid discharge process train. There's also a possibility where we can replace the high pressure reverse osmosis systems um, and eliminate the operational complexity that those systems have associated with them. Uh, But people are getting, they're adopting those types of technologies already, and we're going to have to uh, demonstrate that we can overcome the advantages that uh, uh, those types of advanced reverse osmosis systems have.
0: Right. So, when an end user, for example, or OEMs, for example, they want to treat, um, let's say, X cubic meter per hour. Um, I mean, if I take, for example, the example of um, UF or RO, um, there are so many simulation tools that they can look to it. And also there's product sheet that can look exactly this unit is producing X cubic meter per hour. So they have an idea exactly how many modules they need to put together in one system. So what about the forward osmosis system that you are delivering to the markets? Um, uh, are they units with capacity or you design them and then deliver them to the customer?
1: So, so this is the stage that the forward water is exactly at and what, what we're doing is, so to stay, to stepping one step back. Establish mature membrane technologies such as ultrafiltration and reverse osmosis. Yeah, indeed. There has been a, a ton of background effort, some uh, hundreds and hundreds of person hours of engineering, if not thousands of engineering design work to go. In. So those are ready packaged systems. That's great. We offer the ability to treat, use a membrane process to treat incredibly highly complex mineralized industrial waste streams that those systems typically can't handle. So, knowing no, that's what we do, but we're a new and emerging technology. So, what we're doing right now is we're designing uh, a fixed total vo- feed volume uh, reference design, 50 cubic meters per day, that will be containerized and be used to either solve an application issue at that scale or be used as a side stream uh, demonstration on site for much larger scales to show that adopters, that there are advantages to our technology. But because we're a membrane system, we're relatively easily scaled. So you could take two of these reference designs or four of these reference designs, gang them together and have a much larger treatment volume in a relatively short amount of time. So we're gonna be doing both. We're gonna be developing reference designs that we can repeatedly manufacture at a specific scale. But we're also going to be working with large uh, wastewater producers that have an, is- an issue and design equipment specifically for their, for their site in more of a centralized manner. So we're taking both of those two prongs. And as it's an emerging technology, we will have to develop those uh, things as, as, as we move along. And that's exactly the stage where the company is. And that's sort of the exact inflection point of where we are from both a technology development standpoint as well as an investment standpoint. But would you comment on the,
0: let's say, the synergy that you are working with aquaporin? So what is, I mean, if it's already published, just comment, what is the value of using aquaporin and, and for which application exactly
1: this solution? So is the we, we completed a large scale, um, commercial early commercial scale demonstration in oil and gas wastewater in Alberta, Canada in the summer of 2019. And in in, In carrying out that particular trial, we had uh, specced in and installed the aquaporin materials. And we had done that for two reasons. Um, We found them to be very effective for those types of applications at bench scale or engineering uh, scale trials. Um, But more importantly, we have the observation that they have eliminated reverse salt flux in our particular process to a point that's almost um, immeasurable. And... Uh, those materials for our particular case worked extraordinarily well, uh, eliminated RSF, had flux values that were anticipated as, as aquaporin has uh, uh, projected uh, of about 10 liters per square meter per hour. Um, And between the flux rate being effective and the elimination of the RSF itself, we were able to reduce operational costs because we did not lose any of our draw solute and we were able to eliminate large portions of our capital expense because we no longer needed secondary processes to offset the effect of RSF which was plagued other types of forward osmosis technologies have had that issue and so that eliminated both operational costs and capital costs so we were very excited. We are working with Aquaporin in the sense that we are helping them design commercial-scale modules that will be effective for end-users such as ourselves, and we're providing them with feedback on what we saw. So it's a very cooperative relationship between Aquaporin and and Ford Water. We give them feedback on performance. They give us feedback um, on, on what we need to do to design in the membrane arrays to be as most effective as possible. And so the two companies are very coordinated in the sense that their success will be our success, and our success will be their success. And what are the the
0: futures, if I I allow myself to to mention, I mean, futures that you are working on um, and and what are their values once you develop them? I mean, I'm thinking, for example, of high temperature. Is is high temperatures going to influence
1: the performance of your system? So, um, high temperature, I I mean, if you're looking at high temperature feeds, our process is fundamentally thermal thermolytic. So if we at the separation phase get too hot inside the membrane module or membrane separator or whatever we're doing to carry out the separation, that's a problem for us because our salt uh, will decompose while that separation is happening and 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 bubble out and, and no longer be effective. And we don't want that to happen at that stage. However, Because we're a thermal process, if we had a particularly hot or or, or high temperature feed, we'd simply use that heat in another part of the process and heat exchange it out, sending the cooler material to the separation process and utilize the heat somewhere else in the system. So all of a sudden what we've done is we've used the energy in the feed to run our process while at the same time being able to execute the water the, the water separation uh, under the conditions that we need. And that, again, is going to offset operational costs because we're no longer having to supply that heat, whether it's through, through uh, whatever thermal generation, electric like or, or uh, thermal generation. Um, we no longer have to provide that. So we basically steal heat and reuse it in other places, and that's how we would solve a high-temperature feed issue.
0: That's um, yeah, very interesting. I mean, approach I would say, and then one of my last questions, which is, um, are there? I mean, you have very holistic view on on forward osmosis from fundamental level up to the commercial level. So, um, are there challenges in forward osmosis that you think they need to be researched at fundamental level?
1: So, so on my day-to-day challenge is, is, is and, and I'm going to get to your, your question specifically in a second, but I want to step, step back a little bit. I'm developing an emerging water treatment technology. My biggest hurdle is convincing the skeptical engineering community to try something that's different and new. The reason that's a challenge is there have been a lot of wastewater solutions proffered over the last several decades that we're going to solve everything but turned out not to work and that skepticism in the engineering community is my major hurdle at this point the basic technology that i have at hand is fairly well understood but that said from an academic perspective the two key things that need to be continued to be looked at are membrane technologies they continue. there's space for improvement such as Uh, Thermal stability of the membrane, that is, their flux values can't change with differing feed temperatures. That's one particular uh, uh, issue that that I could see, and I would benefit from that being a a focus of academic study. Um, And continued refinement of the draw technology. I think is something that could be done as well. There's very some very clever ways where people are looking at using freeze-thaw cycles to regenerate uh, draw solutions. So I think there's still a lot of possibility in the draw solution, although we're fairly convinced our our solution is, is, is entirely commercializable. Um, so those are two broad areas, and, and they're the ones that people are looking at now. Anyways, novel draw solutions and new membrane technology. Awesome. Thank you
0: very much, Javi. I mean, is there anything that you would like to add before closing the episode?
1: Um, you know, the, the, the I guess if your, your listeners are tuned in, the most important thing to me is working with um, uh, an engineering community that's willing to look at adopting new technologies. And I think if we simply rely on the same old, same old, or we expect that we're going to be able to treat our wastewater and preserve that resource, but not do it at any additional cost, I think people need to rethink that that case scenario. There are new technologies, not only mine, wastewater technologies coming into, into view, people have to adopt them. and. Maybe they're better than the forward osmosis technology that I'm putting forward. I'm not convinced that that's true. But at the end of the day, if we don't adopt these new technologies and we don't find new ways to do things, we're going to lose control of a very, very critical resource that's important to everybody on the face of this planet. So the message I have or really for the community is don't stop innovating, find better ways, and let's keep our water safe and access for everybody.
0: Well said, I mean, well said, Javier. I I would like also to add, which is um, we need to try to get out of our comfort zone, which is the conventional technology, and try something which is challenge us and then uh, which has high promise, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah. Here, here. Ab- absolutely. Uh, I guess I get a bit numb to it. I'm out of my comfort zone pretty much on a daily basis, but yeah, it is the most exciting and most rewarding place to be. And I think not only from a personal perspective, but here's a chance to not only get a personal self reward for doing something and achieving something, but actually impact the global community. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Right. Thank, you. Thank you very much, Hoy. Thanks a lot,
0: and I wish you a good day. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank Have you. a good day too. Bye-bye.